Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. The New Testament tells us that Christ today is in the heavens as the great high priest, interceding always for us continually before the throne of God. For all of us as believers, this is a most encouraging and comforting realization of Christ. But interestingly, this aspect of his ministry can be seen not just in the New Testament book of Hebrews, but also in the Old Testament visions of the prophet Zechariah. In fact, the book of Zechariah is full of visions that reveal Christ in his sweet comfort, care, and encouragement for his suffering people. Matt Miller has joined uh, me today in the studio as we fellowship concerning the life study of Zechariah. And Matt, this is a book that is mysterious. It's not that well known. It's not even spoken of that frequently. But as we're beginning to realize now just in our second program in Zechariah, it's full of Christ, isn't it? Witness Lee referred to this as the most revealing book in the entire Old Testament of Christ, even more than Isaiah. Most people know about Isaiah with 66 chapters revealing Christ in many ways. Yet Witness Lee said in only the 14 chapters of Zechariah, there is more Christ revealed than the entire 66 chapters of Isaiah. So we're in for a special treat. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Isaiah, and I think most Christians realize chapter 53 jumps out, and you have such clear parallels, clear pictures of Christ coming in his redemption. The picture of Christ or the pictures in Zechariah are a little bit more mysterious and take a little bit more digging to realize, but once we uh, get some of the keys, the Christ we see here is uh, at least as magnificent, isn't it, as the one we see in books like Isaiah? I would agree with that, and I'm really looking forward to the life study of Zechariah today, especially with this first two visions of the eight visions given in Zechariah. Well, let's look at these uh, first couple of visions. Let's pick up a verse in chapter 1. Verse 8 says, I saw during the night, and behold, a man was riding upon a red horse, and he was standing among the myrtle trees that were in the bottoms. Uh, Red horse, that's a phrase from the New Testament as well. We'll hear a little bit of that parallel. But uh, we want to see this one that's standing among the myrtle trees that were in the bottoms, Matt. I love that phraseology, Chris. Yeah, I do too. Here's Witness Lee, and he'll uh, help us see the key. Zechariah, chapter 1, is very lovable. This section is on the visions of consolation and promise. 
seen by Zechariah. Now, the vision of a man as the angel of Jehovah, riding on red horse and standing among the myrtle trees in the bottoms of the valley. No doubt, this is Christ in his humanity. Daniel saw him also as a man. To Daniel, he was excellent. To Zechariah, he was very sympathetic. He is Jehovah himself as the triune God, coming to take care of his people, riding on a red horse. Riding means move swiftly. You know, in Revelation, there are four horses. Among them, one is red. But there signifies the uh, war, because in the war, there's always the bleeding of blood. But here, the red horse signifies Christ's redemption by shedding his blood. So the red horse signifies Christ as a redeemer, moving swiftly. And the myrtle trees, do you know what is a myrtle tree? It is not a tall tree or a kind of a vine. It is a small tree. Uh, we can touch the fruit just like this. This signifies the children of Israel in their captivity. Firstly, Christ was riding, but he was riding standing. He was riding on a horse that stands in the mortal chase. This means he was swift, but he was all the time remaining with the captured people of Israel. The bottom of the valley signifies the very place where the capital Israel was. Christ was also there to take care of them. Matt, as Witness Lee just said, this is a very lovely, even lovable picture of Christ. To get it, I think uh, it's important to understand the context here, the time and what was happening. Israel had been somewhat savagely carried away and held in captivity for 70 years, uh, much suffering there in their Babylonian captivity. And now they're just in the process of returning. This is the setting, isn't it? So we really are seeing an Israel, God's people in the low, in the bottom places and typified by this little tree, the myrtle tree. They needed a red horse here, didn't they? They sure did. And they needed the man on the red horse. The man on the horse signifying Christ, and he's coming to them, and he's riding. And, and that's significant because he's moving. He's, he's swift. He's not there to stay with them in the bottom, but he's there to bring them out of the bottom. You know, God's people in captivity were at the bottom. They were the myrtle tree. You know, in the New Testament, God's people are likened to a vine. That's not what was there in the bottom. It was a myrtle tree, something small. They were at a low point, and he came there not to leave them planted in the bottom. He wanted them out of the bottom. So it's a real mysterious picture that we see in Zechariah. And I think you mentioned this earlier, Chris, and I just wanted to underscore it. To really get the vision in Zechariah, you have to enter into the spirit. You have to enter into the mystery because it's not a simple, clear word like we saw in Haggai. 
just for refreshers, I'd just read a verse or two from Haggai. This is uh, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. This is the opposite right. of Zechariah. The ministry of Haggai, the prophecy of Haggai, was very clear. He told them, I mean, this is very plain words. Verse 6 of chapter 1, you have sown much, but you bring in little. You eat, but there is no satisfaction. You drink, but there is no being filled with drink. You dress yourself, but there is no warmth in doing so. He who earns wages, earns wages to put them in a bag with holes. A very clear word. There's not much mystery in that. That's right. It's so clear. But then when you get to Zechariah, he starts out in his very first vision. And you read the verse already, but he talks about a man on a red horse among myrtle trees in the bottom, and behold, and we're going to get on to the rest of the verse. We haven't even talked about the other horses. Lots of meaning there, but it's not as clear cut. Yeah, a good contrast, man. I'm glad you underscored it. The only verse that I think transitions nicely from Haggai, a verse we read in the program, uh, the first one in Zechariah, in verse 1, chapter 3, he says, Thus says Jehovah of hosts, return to me, declares Jehovah of hosts, and I will return to you, says Jehovah of hosts. So we had this uh, very clear, striking word, even illuminating word, almost painfully in Haggai, almost impossible to miss what the Lord was saying there about having you know more care for our own interests than for his. Here he's dealing with Israel, an Israel who had or was in the process of returning to the land, but he wanted them to return to him, didn't he? That's right. The first thing you realize when you come back to the Lord, that's the most important thing. They came back to Jerusalem, but many of them had not turned their heart back to the Lord. And so here he is coming to them. And I think as we go on the program, we're going to see more about this. So maybe we should stop now. Good. All right. Let's go back to Witness Lee. I want to pick up the second part or the last part of the verse that we just read or started to read. Chapter 1, verse 3. This is one standing among the myrtle trees that were in the bottoms. And behind him, there were red, reddish brown and white horses. So we have a, the angel of Jehovah riding on the red horse and behind him, more red horses, reddish brown horses, and white horses. These are all significant, as we'll see just ahead. Looking forward to it. Christ was riding on a red horse, and the color red there signifies the redemption by shedding the blood. Then following that red horse, there are horses, red horses, reddish brown horses, white horses. Christ was riding on a single horse, following him or behind him, horses in three colors. In this picture, you can see they were moving, following Christ. They were moving with Christ as a leader. That means they were the redeemed people of God. But, a big but, but they were somewhat stained. Not pure in right, but red with some brown. They were God's redeemed people, but they were not that pure. They were a mixture. But eventually, when they come to God, they will be justified. They become all white horses. You look at the situation of Israel's captivity. 
in their captivity, in the eyes of God, they had Christ, the Redeemer, taking the lead. And they were following him. They were God's redeemed people. So, first sight is that they were riding the right horses, the redeemed one. But they were not that pure. They were reddish brown. They were right, yet still brown. So they need some dealing. They need to contact God. Then you have the third group of horses, the white horses. That means after they were dealing and after they came to God, they became justified. It's quite meaningful. They were a kind of repentant people to be justified and accepted by God swiftly. That is the white horses. I hope that you could catch the uh, real meaning of this picture. Well, Matt, surely this picture is mysterious, but I think without any uh, controversy at all, we have to say that the picture once revealed is too marvelous in uh, the significance here. Uh, Christ riding on the red horse, but being followed by horses that were of three color groups, red, reddish brown, and white. They're all significant, aren't they? They are, and it's so encouraging to see that God wants us to end up on the white horse, and he wants to do it swiftly, that the rider is riding swiftly. And it's so encouraging, like I mentioned in the first section, he doesn't want us to stay in the bottom, planted in the valley. He wants to bring us out of the bottom, bring us out of our captivity. God does not want to leave us in captivity. And he also doesn't want to leave us in a mixture. The reddish-brown horses signified a mixture there. They weren't that pure. But the goal of Christ's redemption is to purify us, to make us the white horse. So he wants to bring us out of the valley, and he wants to take away our mixture and make us white, bright, pure, and clean. I was thinking, you know, uh, the the picture here, there's a progression uh, actually implied with these uh, various colors. The red bringing redemption to the people in desperate need of it. Uh, we already talked about that. They were in the low place. They were, you know, the myrtle trees in the bottom when the one comes riding in on the red horse. Uh, so here's a people that is in desperate need of firstly redemption. Then reddish brown, that means that they have benefited from the redemption, but the mixture remains. Their purity has not yet been accomplished. Ultimately, as you said, God's goal that we would all end up on white horses. I, I was thinking in the New Testament, we see this uh, in Revelation 19, just as the final age is being ushered in, the New Jerusalem, and the, we see the picture there of uh, Christ as the bridegroom and the bride in Revelation 19. In verse 8, it says, And it was given to her, the bride, which is, we know, the aggregate of God's people, that she should be clothed in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteousnesses of the saints. So ultimately, we all end up, don't we, Matt, on the white horse. It's a wonderful conclusion. And we said at the beginning, we hope people would stay for this because it's such a sweet message. And it's so wonderful to see God's goal for the believers. And Chris, I can't help but imagine right now the people as they're listening to this program, maybe they're in a captivity of their own. Absolutely. They're in some kind of a low place. They're in some kind of a mixture. And this has got to be an encouragement to them to realize that Christ is there 
interceding for them. He's the one on the red horse. He's with them. They're not alone in that situation in the bottom, but Christ is there to bring them out, and Christ is there to purify them and to bring them all the way to the conclusion of their salvation, which is the white linen, like you mentioned in Revelation 19, and riding on a white horse. So encouraging. It is. You know, we opened the program talking about uh, Christ as the intercessor. As the great high priest, one of his functions is his intercessory function for God's people, which is us. And we really see that intercession uh, later in the chapter. Verse 12, the angel of Jehovah answered and said, O Jehovah of hosts, how long will you not have compassion on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah, with which you have been indignant for these 70 years? And the answer comes in verses 15 through 17. I am extremely angry with the nations who are at ease, for I was only a little angry, but their help increased the affliction. Therefore, thus says Jehovah, I return to Jerusalem with compassions. My house will be built in it, declares Jehovah of hosts, and a measuring line will be stretched over Jerusalem. My cities will again overflow with good, and Jehovah will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. So here the angel of Jehovah is really interceding to uh, Jehovah himself on behalf of suffering Israel. And the words, the response that uh, is gained here is really marvelous, isn't it? More encouragement, Chris. More encouragement coming. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee for our final segment. Christ was sent as the Redeemer to take care of the captured Israel. Beside Christ, there were others sent by God to go through the earth to see the nation situation. And they found out that all the nations were just sitting there enjoying themselves in still and quiet. These made God jealous. God elect were suffering there. You know, to sit there, that means you have no problem. You are enjoying your life. But to ride on the horse, this means you have not got settled. You still were under a kind of a situation without peace, without rest, without enjoyment of life. This is the picture. In the eyes of God, all the nations at that time around Israel were just sitting there, enjoying their life in peace, in quietness. But God, like Israel, were suffering there. Yet Christ was there among them to be their companion in their suffering of their captivity. Then the angel Jehovah interceded. Christ prayed for Israel. O Jehovah, how long will you not have compassion on Jerusalem? Jehovah answered with good words, with comforting words, sweet words. I'm jealousy for Jerusalem and for Zion, and I am extremely angry with the nations. I return to Jerusalem with compassion. My house will be built in it, and a measuring line will be stretched over Jerusalem. Jerusalem for 70 years was given up by God. But now God comes back to repossess the city. So he sent someone 
to measure the city. Not only one city of Jerusalem, but other cities in Judah. My cities will again overflow with gold, that means a lot, riches, comfort, enjoyment, and so forth, with gold. And Jehovah will again comfort them and will again choose Jerusalem. So, Christ's prayer, God's answer. This was God's answer to Christ's intercession for Israel. This uh, was the first vision, a vision of encouragement and promise. Matt, uh, certainly Israel was not in a place of ease and comfort like the nations surrounding her uh, were at this time. And uh, the Lord uh, at this time expresses a lot of feeling, doesn't he, toward his people? He does, Chris. The title of these visions in the life study and in the recovery version is The Visions of Consolation and Promise. And this is a really good conclusion to the first vision, consoling the children of Israel in their suffering and giving them a promise that the Lord will fulfill his promise to build the temple. Matt, uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the program, and we were going to touch um, the first two visions, really, two of the eight in Zechariah, maybe in just a minute and a half or so that's left. Why don't you pick up this second vision? Well, the second vision, Chris, is about four horns that tear down and scatter God's people. And then following those four horns are four craftsmen that come in and destroy the horns. And that's a picture of God dealing with the nations who went too far in God's chastisement of the nation of Israel. And so he came in and dealt with each nation after. The first nation was Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Then the next nation was uh, Cyrus, king of Persia, the Medo-Persian Empire, then Alexander the Great of the Grecian Empire, and finally the Roman Empire. Those are the four horns. And each subsequent empire was the craftsman dealing in a skillful way to tear down the empire before. Of course, these same four uh, were apparent in the visions of Daniel. He saw them as the uh, great image there. And also we see the same kind of destruction that uh, comes on. So in a sense, uh, at the end in Daniel's vision, where we have the image with the uh, the head and the, uh, the chest and arms and the torso and ultimately the legs, it is a stone cut out without hands that crushes this image. So there's a final dealing uh, that really vindicates God's people, Israel, in the end, doesn't it? It sure does, Chris. And you mentioned, tell this story in a a minute and a half. I think to summarize, I'd like to say the internet has the life study available at lsm.org. You can go to our website and these printed life studies of Daniel, of Zechariah, of Haggai, of the recovery books of Ezra and Nehemiah, the listeners could go there and get a lot more detail than we can give in a radio program. And, of course, the website also has the past radio programs and even those from Revelation and Daniel to touch some of these things there as well. So a lot of resources, and if you'd like to find out more, uh, call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788, or visit that website. Matt, let me have you tell the, tell the listeners the website address again. It's www.lsm.org. That's the main website, and you can get to all of the details from there. If you go to ministrybooks.org, it takes you right to the printed materials that are available online. And uh, there's plenty for you. Hope that you, uh, again, if nothing else, remember the main website, www.lsm.org. From there, you can link to all of the things that we mentioned. And I'll give you the toll-free number once more, one eight 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 life study And for Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks for listening today.
Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, Blackberry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org ePublications. Thanks for listening today. Was Jesus simply a great religious leader? The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. Based on the scriptures, the religious people were looking for a great leader, but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove. The lamb is for redemption, to redeem fallen man back to God, and the dove is for life-giving, for anointing, to anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.